0: You can turn to 2 Corinthians 5, 2 Corinthians 5. There's so much good sanctification that comes from every single area of life. We will hear us say that a lot. Sanctification that comes from marriage, from parenting, from working jobs, being a neighbor. In every single area of your life, God is always at work in all circumstances, good and bad, even as a student in school. He's always at work in all of that for your good and his glory. And there's incredible sanctification that's always happening in me when I'm coaching volleyball. <laughs> I see a lot of parallels between coaching and pastoring. Uh, one recent match, we were playing an away team in their gym, and they, the, the away team did something I'd never seen an away team do to try and throw us off the bench of opposing players while our girls were trying to serve, were stomping and clapping in rhythm. Fans, I understand, but a bench of players, it was really weird. Six years of volleyball and, and three years of basketball and another year of football, I've never seen the opposing team join in trying to distract your players. And um, So at one, time, one of the timeouts, we were winning, and, and I was like, okay, at the end of this match, girls, we're going to stomp and clap in the same rhythm. Just start chanting CHA, we are going to rub it in their face. I'm so mature when I'm coaching. I really am. And so they were like yeah and they go back out and play and uh during a few minutes later one of our assistants came to me and said do you think we should do that (laughs) is that really who we are uh do you think maybe we got a little on our fleshy side i'm like yeah yeah you're right you're right (laughs) all right so i tried to get the ref to tell him to stop he wouldn't tell him to stop our girls they were fine they just like hey they're cheering for us no problem Uh, But I needed someone in that moment to uh, remind me of who we were as a team and as a program. We just play volleyball. We don't resort to gimmicks or silly tricks or these goofy things to distract our opponents. That's our opponents. That's not who we are. It's not what we do. So I had to catch a fresh vision again of the identity of our program so I didn't end up doing something I would later regret. So I just threw a chair across the court in anger and left it at that. Kidding not really do that. This is the essence of our yearly vision series as a church. Uh, we'll be back in Hebrews next week, but every September we take two weeks, three weeks, sometimes longer, eight weeks to be reminded of who we are and what we're called to do and be as a local church. It is easy to theologically drift as a church. So we talk about that all the time, uh, about continually filtering who we are and what we do through the lens of scripture. Are we driven by biblical convictions? Are we in line with orthodox biblical teaching? Uh, Are we holding to historic orthodox teachings of of the church even as those are being redefined and attempted to be redefined in our culture? Uh, Everything we do either flows from a specific precept, a, a clear black and white command of Scripture, or it's built upon biblical principles where it's not clear exactly what to do but we're making decisions, we hope, with wisdom based on these principles. And that's, that's who we are as a church. We want to be in line with Scripture. So we're not putting our finger in the wind and what the culture tells us to do. That's what we do. We're not, we're not adhering ourselves to uh, just simply what a denomination or network tells us to do. We're not, uh, uh, we're not uh, aligning ourselves with political parties. And so you see a lot of that, churches and political parties getting on the same page. To, to, to figure out how to be the church. We're not doing that as well. We're pushing back against all of them. We're not trying to go forward as a church to make other churches happy with us and please everybody. It's always, are we in line with the scriptures? That drives us more than anything else. But you can also drift missionally and vi- with vision, mission drift, vision drift. And we have to constantly assess. If we're drifting in our mission or vision. should we take time each year to remind ourselves what is unique about the Crossing Church. And are we living out that reality of who the Bible says that we are, what the Bible says that we should do. That caused us to form as a church plant and continues to help us live and exist as a church. In other words, when God began to assemble the early leaders and then eventually the core group in 2013-2014... What was it that caused us to say, we don't need just to remain as we are where we're currently at. We need to go create something new. And are we still holding to those things? Um, It's it's an important thing that we do as a church. I remember writing in September 2013, a document titled, What Would a Gospel-Centered Church in Monroe Look Like? In an effort to articulate and define this and share this with people who may be interested in pursuing this with us. I'll I'll post it on Workplace later on and and you can read it. It's really interesting how much what we were thinking back then and what we were chasing back then and and to see how much we've seen happen and how much we're still aspiring to see happen. One thing that we wrote on that was individual followers of Jesus in geographic locations will form gospel-centered missional communities. Families and individuals unleashed, empowered, and trained to share life together in their communities, work together to see the gospel spread to those far from God trained and equipped missional community leaders honest authentic get down in the nitty-gritty of life relationships infused by the gospel engaging your communities through eating and celebrating and blessing and recreating with them to show and share the reality of the gospel intentional discipleship groups within missional communities men with men women with women and small groups of two to four going deeper with jesus now some of that we've already tweaked we like dna's to be three to five not two Uh, But seven to eight years later, we're still seeing fruit and joy from ways in which we have seen that life happen in our city among us. And then we also see ways that we're still striving to see that happen. And key aspects of living out this kind of life is knowing our gospel-shaped identities. Because of Jesus and his gospel, we are family, we are servants, we are missionaries. So last week, Jesse walked us through our family identity Our Father, through Jesus, has adopted us into his family forever. Though we were his enemies, now we are his dearly loved sons and daughters forever, never to be kicked out. If you're in the family, you're in forever. You will always be in the family. We believe that is very clear in Scripture. The question is not the security of that relationship. The question is the reality of that relationship. Are you in the family? Are you really his if you've been with us in the Hebrews series, you've seen that question come up time and time again with some of the warning passages. And next Sunday, we'll walk through one of the hardest warning passages in Hebrews 10. Because anyone can profess to be a follower of Jesus, professing it alone doesn't mean it's true. So, so are you really in? But if you are, you're in for life. You're in for eternity because you're His. We celebrated uh, shared, uh, Celebrated Noah's three-year anniversary of his adoption day yesterday, and then later this week it will be Trey's one-year anniversary of her adoption day on Thursday, and big celebrations for us as an adoptive family. Um, and adoption is fascinating. I think I've shared this before. If you know the legal language of adoption, it would be easier for us to do to, to dismiss or disown our biological children than it would be our adopted children. That's how secure adoption is. The actual language in the document speaks of these children belonging to us in the same ways that our biological children belong to us. Incredibly secure, and it's even more secure in God's family. So that's family. Today our focus is on our identity as missionaries. We say it like this, we are missionaries. The Holy Spirit is our guide and sender, and we are His missionaries. We are sent by the Spirit to restore all things to God through Jesus Christ. God sent Jesus to earth to take on human form and live within the culture he lived in such a way that those around him could see and experience what God was truly like. Jesus came so all people, places, and things could be restored to a right relationship with God. In a similar way, we believe we are missionaries sent by God's Spirit into our culture to restore all things to God through Jesus. And we live this out through all of life in a missional community. We think missional communities is the best vehicle to see this life happen among the people of God I read that that's right on our website so you can look that up if you haven't heard that before as the father and son sent the spirit so we are sent by the spirit as the very presence of God in our world today so that through our lives and through our lips we declare and show the world the reality of Jesus years ago in a sermon I was making this point and I was saying where's Jesus at today where's Jesus at today And Kevin Bear sent me a far side cartoon, I think it's far side of, I think it's the cops showing up to a house and asking that question, where's Jesus? And Jesus is hiding behind the drapes, you know, (laughs) in his beard and his robe, hiding like he'd done something wrong. But if we ask that question today, where is Jesus, the Bible would emphatically say to us, look around. We are the body of Christ. This is where the presence of Jesus dwells today in our world. We are his people. In a very real way, just as Jesus was in the world doing his work to bring about God's kingdom on earth, so now we carry on that work. It's not the same identical work as Jesus. Only Jesus was the Messiah. Only Jesus was the Son of God, fully God, fully man. But we're not Jesus, but it's a similar work. And so you see this declared in 2 Corinthians 5, beginning in verse uh, 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away and see the new has come. Everything is from God who has reconciled us to himself through Christ and has given to us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself and counting their trespasses against them, and he has committed the message of reconciliation to us. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ since God is making his appeal through us. We plead on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. He made the one who did not know sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Now there is work in that passage that Jesus, uh, God the Father, God is at work doing that only he can do. Christ making us a new creation when we are in him. He has reconciled us to God. He's given us a ministry of reconciliation. God is at work reconciling the world to himself. He has given us a ministry of reconciliation. He made Jesus who did not know sin to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God. This is all work that God has done and is doing through Jesus that only he can do because only he is God. This is his work. But look at verse 20. Therefore, because of all this work that God has done through Jesus, therefore we are ambassadors for Christ. This is an identity issue. We you, child of God, are an ambassador of Christ. This is not written to pastors, uh, vocational ministers, missionaries who go give their life away to, to distant lands for years and years and years. This is written to the, the youngest child who comes to know Jesus at a young age. You are an ambassador for Christ. This is written to the oldest saint on a deathbed confession just moments before they enter into eternity. You are an ambassador for Christ in those last moments. It's true of all of us because we have this identity ambassador for christ since god is making his appeal to the world through us we are plan a there is no plan b it's it we're the church it's it it's us then we plead to others for christ be reconciled to god be reconciled to god this is the essence of our missionary task as god's people We live in this world. God's not taking us out of this world. We live in this world, in and around people who are far from God, who have not been reconciled to him so that through our lives, they can see what life is like as God's people. And then through our lips, they can hear us say, Be reconciled to God. Turn from chasing sin and repent and believe in Jesus. Become a new creation in him as his life enters your life and transforms you. You go through this complete metamorphosis from an old man dead in their sins and trespasses to a new man whose life is given to make Jesus known. So we have to be in the lives of people, people far from God, people who may or may not show up in a place like this on a Sunday, people in our lives that are already in our lives, so neighbors, coworkers, family, and friends, but we also sometimes have to create new rhythms so we can be around other people that we're not currently around. People who are far from God, potential brothers and sisters in the family of God. So as we gather as new missional communities this fall, we'll spend time uh, looking at our life. Who's already in our life who doesn't already know or doesn't seem to know or seem to be experiencing the full joy of Jesus that, that we can currently pursue and who are other people that we can pursue as we create new rhythms of life. We'll actually sit down as a missional community. Some of you have done this with us before. And we'll write down names of people. People in our life who are far from God. People who are not experiencing the full joy of salvation in Jesus. And, and how can we as a missional community strategize, pray, seek to see them come to know Jesus in the fullest way possible? Or it might be religious people. They've, they're, they're baby Christians maybe who've... who've um, uh, never truly come to understand what it means to give their life to Jesus in every area of their life. And, and so that's the progress that we'll make as we share the gospel with them, as we share life with them. Maybe it's religious people only. They're just following rules and they never come to see the freedom that Jesus has come to give us. Not accidentally, not coincidentally, but by God's sovereign and providential plan, he has put you in their life for them to see the reality of a Jesus-captivated life and to hear the message of reconciliation. How are they going to be reached? If they're in your life, you're it. That's how they're going to be reached. You're in their life. He has sent you. He has sent me. Sometimes there's new rhythms that we need to create or a new awareness that we need to have about people that we can get to know in order to be in their life or to to see them in new ways, to get into gospel conversations, to see where they're at and how you can help. Start buying gas at the same place and going inside to pay. Instead of pay at the pump, get to know the employees. Start having DNA in the same coffee shop or restaurant each week. Instead of just um, uh, meeting in your homes all the time. Uh, Start going inside of banks when COVID rules allow and get to know your tellers. Instead of just going through the ATM or mobile banking options, eat at the same restaurants as a family regularly, shop at the same stores, get to know the clerks, the people who work there, the wait staff, the Uh, other people the bus bus boys shop at the same stores pray before you go ask the lord to help you to see these people as he sees them and and enter into these places and these rhythms of life with gospel intentionality if you've been with us for any length of time you've heard us say this a lot but we can't forget it we get into bad habits of apathy laziness just going through the routine of life, being self-absorbed, where all I'm really thinking about is me and my schedule. What's most efficient for me? How can I get through my day in the quickest way possible so I can get things done to get to where I want to get so I can do what I want to do? Like we all do that. We all fall into these kinds of ruts. You you talk to people who are sent to faraway countries and and they will say the same thing. They get into the same ruts, this inward-focused self-absorption where it's just about me, myself, and I. So that's why we do this together, because we need the body of Christ to come alongside each other and say, hey, it's not about you. It's not about your life. It's not about just living your life to make yourself happy. It's about serving and laying down your life for the good of others, to see others come to know Jesus in the fullest way possible, in the way that you graciously have come to know him. This is why you and I are still alive. This is why we're still living if we, if we were only created to go to heaven, then we would drop dead the moment we profess faith in Christ. We weren't created just for that. We were created to bring heaven to earth, to see the kingdom of heaven flourish and grow and spread through the people of God. This is why we are here. This is why we are alive. This is why we experience everything we experience. So if you're up against an obstacle, you're going through a hard season, you're suffering through a valley... How did this happen? This wasn't God's plans for my life. No, no it was. It wa- he puts you there because in that season, around those people, he's going to work in you and through you to make him known. And you, you couldn't make him known to those people unless he puts you in that crucible, in that season of life, in that valley. It's not just even about our sanctification. Well, there must have been some, some, some old fleshy things you need to chip away and get rid of in me. It's not just about that. That's part of it. It's primarily about His glory, not just lessons you can learn and T-shirts you can wear and posts that you can make about the things you learned in that valley or books you can write or blog posts you can write. How can Jesus be seen and worshiped and enjoyed by more people through our lives and get much glory? This is why we exist and live as a people of God. Our technologically advanced, socially isolating culture is making us feel like we're connected with people because we have friends and followers and we engage on social media, but we know those aren't always real connections. So as the church, we don't just settle for that. We go deeper. We strive to know and be known. We want said about us what Paul said in 1 Thessalonians 1, for we know brothers and sisters loved by God, he has chosen you. Because our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in power, in the Holy Spirit, and with full assurance. You know how we lived among you for your benefit. And you yourselves became imitators of, the, of us and of the Lord, when in spite of severe persecution, you welcomed the message with joy from the Holy Spirit. As a result, you became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. Our gospel came to you, he says, in word and power. You know how we lived among you for your sake. In our church and our mission communities, we share life to such a degree that we can say that about each other. We know how we live. This isn't uh, us disappearing into our homes and magically reappearing in this building on Sundays. Oh, how was your week? How was my week? Like we've lived life with each other through the week. We've met together. We've worshipped together. We've served together. We've had meals together. We've talked, texted, communicated together in the week. So even so, we have used to say this on on Sundays, when you gather on on our Sunday gathering, don't spend time with people in your missional community because you've already spent time with them all week. Spend time with people who aren't in your missional community because you don't really know who those people are. We're living life in such a way we know how each other lives. We we live life in such a way we, we can say that we imitate each other. We learn things about life from each other. Sometimes it's like really helpful things, how to fix a lawnmower that's broken, how to cook a dish that's really delicious, how to parent a kid that you're struggling to parent, how to do this, that, and the other, how to walk through the foster system, or how to deal with this aspect of getting into college. So it can be really practical things. Sometimes it's really theological things. Like what do I, how do I deal with this cultural issue through the lens of scripture? Help us, help each other figure it out. We strive to have elders and leaders whose lives can be imitated. So Paul is speaking in that context. So if your marriage looks like this marriage, if your parenting looks like this parenting, that would be good. Not, not perfect, but it's headed in a healthy direction. So we are in each other's lives so that we know how we live and we live in such a way there can be imitation. And he says you welcome the message with joy from the Holy Spirit. So it's not just we see how each other lives and we're like, hey, that's a good way to live. I want to live like that. But then we share the message of the gospel and people welcome it with joy from the Holy Spirit they're transformed as they hear the gospel message of Jesus and now the gospel verse 7 moves forward as a result you became an example to others it's passed along this is what we're striving for as a church of missional communities in our city as we live as God's people enjoying being his family as we serve one another and serve our city, we're going to providentially be in relationship with all kinds of people that we can show the reality of Jesus to and we can share the gospel message to. We do have to actually speak the gospel, the person and work of Jesus. We can't nice people into God's kingdom. We can't get all dolled up like we like, we like to doll up on Sundays and expect our neighbors to know, well, they must be going to church. I want to know that kind of Jesus that makes you get dressed up and get in your car and go away for a few hours. Tell me how. We can't just expect people to, to just to fall on people. Like we have to speak the gospel to people. We have to tell them, but we have to be in their life so that we get those opportunities. 1 Peter 3 talks about this. Who then will harm you if you're devoted to what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness, you are blessed do not fear them or be imitated, but in your hearts regard Christ the Lord as holy. Ready right at any time to give a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do this with gentleness and reverence, keeping a clear conscience so that when you are accused, those who disparage your good conduct in Christ will be put to shame. This word was given in the context of suffering for doing good, which will happen to us. Jesus promised the more we live like him, the more we could be persecuted. Real, real persecution, not some of the fake self-inflicted persecution because you're being a Karen No offense to anyone here named Karen, but you know what I mean. But if we suffer for doing good, we, by God's grace, continue to do good. And when the opportunity comes to speak up and give a reason for why we continue to do good, when it's costing us, we give a reason for the hope we have with gentleness and reverence. Not with jerkiness or sarcasm or irreverence, but by God's grace and power with gentleness and reverence, and the gospel message goes forward. And sometimes this means people we know come alive and become new creations and a member of the body of Christ. And sometimes baby Christians are woken up to the reality of who they are and they begin to grow and mature because they they get it. They get now while they are alive. And sometimes religious people turn from rule following to a vibrant relationship with Jesus as they are captivated by, by him and they find their greatest joy and hope in him. And sometimes they become part of the crossing church and sometimes they become part of another church because our mission isn't really to make the crossing church as big as possible, but to grow the kingdom of heaven, to grow the kingdom of God. And we've seen all of that happen and it's probably true, we haven't like, we don't have tally marks on boards or anything like that. We, we trust heaven to take care of all that. Um, <clears throat> it's probably true that we've seen as much fruit from this work develop and grow in other churches as we've seen actually grow and develop in our church. And that's good because the kingdom of God is growing and God is being seen and enjoyed and God is being glorified because it's his work. We're just doing our part. There's much more to discuss about this and work out the details and we'll do a lot of that within our missional communities the rest of this fall and into the spring, through the winter and spring. Uh, We've tried to gather as one church since April on Wednesday nights to do some training and equipping as missionary communities, and that worked out great for some. It didn't work out great for others with jobs and different responsibilities. And now we're at a point where we're ready to gather back as MCs and launch back into our neighborhoods and communities and homes with the flexibility that that gives us as we're sharing life together. We're going to be posting uh, this information later today on Workplace. And if you're like, what is Workplace? See, see me before you leave, see Joseph before you leave, see somebody before you leave, and we can get you on workplace. Uh, but we know for sure we have two missional communities already with a specific missional focus. We have one that's pursuing students and professors at ULM, and we have one that's pursuing uh, workers within the, the, the foster system, DCFS workers, Department of Children and Family Services. Um, so those already have a clear missional focus, but two MCs is not enough. So we think we're going to have four, maybe five missional communities ultimately, but we're not 100% sure of how we're going to organize those. So what we're asking from you, and we've kind of been talking about this, pray and consider which one uh, the Spirit of God's leading you to be a part of. And if it's the one that's focused on ULM, if it's the one that's focused on DCFS, please, there's actually paper in the back with pens. Just put your name down for those, or shoot me a text or shoot Jesse a text. If it's something else, there's a third sheet in the back, actually two sheets, where you'll put your name and you'll put like, you'll put, this is where I feel called to, to be engaged missionally and with gospel intentionality. This is the people group I think God's calling me to reach. It may be a geographic area because it's where you live and it's where you shop, it's where you work, it's where you play. So like West Monroe <laughs> or a particular neighborhood in West Monroe or Monroe or Sterlington, Or um, Collingston, if there's any Collingston people here, uh, other small communities. Or it could be something else. You know, uh, we have four or five families that all have kids or adults who do jiu-jitsu lessons at this particular jiu-jitsu academy. Um, Obviously, I'm not one of them, but my son does it. And so that eventually could be a missional community. May not right now, but eventually it could be this is a place where we want to Live and work and, and serve with gospel intentionality. So put your name down. Put right now where you feel the freedom and where you feel the Spirit leading you to go. Uh, just because you're a foster family doesn't mean you've got to be in the DCFS uh, MC. Just because uh, you're a student at ULM doesn't mean you have to be in the ULM. It makes sense. You, might, you should consider it, but it's not like a rule. You have to do this. Just put where the Spirit's leading you right now, and then we're going to be contacting you to, to figure out how we can best organize as mission communities If you don't put your name down, we're going to be contacting you, finding out why didn't you put your name down. Where do you think the Spirit of God's calling you to to serve? And and we'll help you figure that out. Uh, On Workplace, you can read a description of the DCFSMC. There will be one created later for the ULM one and then eventually for all the different missional communities. Uh, Before you leave, take that next step. Sign up and back. Um, And we'll figure that out together. What will life in these missional communities look like? Well, uh, the only thing we know right now is we're not in a hurry. Like we want to, we want to, we want to move at the pace in which the Spirit is leading the, our people. So we're not going to have, you know, by this day on this time, this mission community needs to multiply. That's some of the things we thought when we started, and then seven or eight years of church planting kicks you in the teeth. You're like, well, your little plans aren't so, so great. So why don't you just trust the Spirit to work this out? So we're not in a hurry. We want to make sure we really get this and really understand what it looks like to be the people of God in the everyday stuff of life. Um, we've learned from uh, other churches. We've learned a lot from trial and error. Of course, we're learning from the scriptures constantly. One group in particular uh, that we've learned from are the Soma family of churches. Um, if you're not familiar with what Soma is, you can, you can look that up, wearesoma.org or .com, something like that. Uh, they created a video that we shared in our very first vision meeting that none of y'all were at. Uh, maybe one other person, Uh, but that's back in the days of the old BCM, before they tore it down and built a new BCM, and we were gathered on a Sunday night in in January of 2014, and we haven't shared it with our people since then. And we were talking this week, and we're like, man, that video was really helpful to help us capture an um, um, image and capture our hearts about what this looks like. So we're actually going to take a few moments to share that with you this morning. So as this is playing, let the Spirit speak to your heart. Where does He want you to serve? Who does He want you to be with? And how can you give your life to engage in God's